0: Welcome to a brand new episode of The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. I know, literally, it's kind of weird having a second episode in the span of... Less than a week now? After I'd been away for a month before my TBT preview episode. But, there's a reason why. You know, obviously, we all know about Big East men's basketball. However... I haven't really covered the women's side except briefly when UConn advanced to the Final Four this past year in San Antonio for a brief preview of that. Well, the Igloo is officially expanding its coverage to women's basketball and I'm going to give you the lowdown here on this brand new episode and later on you're going to hear from my very first official guest for the women's side and it's a pretty big name, one of the 11 head coaches in Big East women's hoops. I'll name drop that at the end of this segment. So, let's get you caught up on this past year. Well, as you know, and it wasn't much of a surprise, UConn returning to the conference and they were the top dog, no pun intended, or maybe intended. I don't know really. I don't really know at this point. But they were a perfect 18 and 0. In-conference play, 21-1 and one overall in the regular season. Their only loss coming at Arkansas in late January. Steamrolled through the Big East Women's Tournament and then advanced to the Final Four where they lost in the National Semifinals to a red-hot Arizona team led by Ari McDonald. So, a disappointing end, but you got to keep in mind, this was a pretty young UConn squad, and they're bringing pretty much all of their big guns back. Pagebackers, obviously, being one of them. I mean, everyone talks, you know, pagebackers, pagebackers, pagebackers. Like, that's. And I understand because, I mean, she is one of those players that. You could tell as a freshman, you know, she's going to the next level. We all know that for a fact. But think of some of the other players that are coming back. Aliyah Edwards was a freshman, made a huge difference. Kristen Williams is now a senior. Olivia Nelson Odota is a senior. Avina Westbrook is a senior now. This is a really... Really good squad. And now they're a year older and a year wiser. So that's going to help this team immensely. And, I mean, you don't even have to, you know, go up and down their roster to say, like, okay, this is the top dog. You just know that they are. So... Meanwhile, Marquette finished second at 14-4. Then you had Seton Hall, 12-5. DePaul shockingly finished fourth at 11-5. And they also lost 10 regular season games this past year. And for the first time since 2002, the Blue Demons missed the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. And, you know, you look at the schedule they played this past season. It was a tough schedule. They lost five non-conference games. They lost to Texas A&M, which was a very, very good team. They got, I believe, a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Louisville at the Jimmy V. Women's Classic in Uncasville, Connecticut. They're great. I mean, that's a fantastic program that Louisville has. Kentucky, they beat them at Wintrust in the middle of December, and and then you know actually and and then they went to the WNIT and actually lost a pair of games there as well, uh, losing to St. Louis and Drake. Which, I mean, that is so uncharacteristic of DePaul's. But in some of the games they lost, I mean, they lost to Butler at home. This is a Butler team that averaged less than 60 points a game last year. Butler hung 86 on them. They lost to Marquette at home. They lost to Creighton at home. They lost twice to UConn. But I mean, eleven and five is nothing to be ashamed of. But I mean that that's fourth place, and that's uncharacteristic of DePaul. So I expect them to have a bounce back year. I'm I'm fully expecting that. Meanwhile, Villanova finished in the five spot, upset DePaul in the in the Big East quarterfinals before losing to UConn. But they have. Quite a bit coming back, mainly their biggest piece, Maddie Segrist. You got Brianna Hurley's coming back. Lior Garzan is going to have an expanded role. Bella Runyon should be making bigger contributions, as will Brooke Mullen. But you also have a lot of freshmen coming in, so I expect Nova, yes, they have quite a bit coming back, but I expect them to take a step back. Who's gonna take a step up despite having a losing season in conference play last year? Even without Temi Serda, I'm expecting Creighton to step up. Because of the piece that they do bring back. Emma Ronzik, Morgan Maley, Carly Bachelor, Tatum Rembaugh. I'm expecting to have an expanded role as well. This is a well-rounded Creighton squad. Jim Flannery is one of the more underrated coaches in this conference. I'll say it before and I'll say it again. You know, he always has his team ready to play. You know, they had a WNIT appearance this past year, advanced to the Big East women's semifinals. They beat Georgetown in the first round, upset Seton Hall in the quarterfinal before losing in the semis to Marquette. And in that WNIT in Rockford, they beat Bowling Green before losing by one point to Northern Iowa, a team that had beaten them by three in the regular season in Cedar Falls. Meanwhile, the bottom five, I mean, you had Providence, St. John's, Xavier, Butler, and Georgetown. Georgetown had a lot of freshmen, but you know they're a year older and a year wiser, and that experience should help them I mean, I don't think it's going to help them significantly, but it will help them get out of the basement of the Big East. Meanwhile, Butler, who lost, you know, know, who averaged, like I said, less than 60 points a game this past year. You know, they lose their leading scorer, Okako Adika. But... Who do you bring back? Well, Genesis Parker is a major returner. But you also have a lot of pieces that aren't going to be back that did see action last year, like Upe Atosu, Jaya Alexander, Naira Caceres, Nyamare Diu, also not back. So they lose a lot. However, they do bring in a couple grad transfers. Well, well, they, well they bring in one grad transfer, uh, Selena Taborn uh, out of Furman, and then two other transfers coming in, Kate Tanner and uh, Kendall Wingler. So they'll be new to the program this year. And, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that they probably will finish in that bottom – two or three. Xavier, on the other hand, uh, well, I mean, in a similar vein, Xavier, they lose quite a bit. Uh, Nia Clark is a re- an important returner, as is Kay Satterfield. But obviously, when you lose your leading scorer, it kind of makes a big dent. Um, but to compound that, they got Shelby Calhoun, transfer from Virginia Tech. Michaela Hayes, grad transfer, who has had experience at both Florida, and Clemson. They also bring in Shyla Beeler, previously played at Indiana and Vincennes University, which Vincennes I'm pretty sure, is NAIA. You know, this is a pretty small roster, and uh, Xavier, I mean, historically has not been very successful in the new Big East. Uh, so I'm expecting another tough year for them. St. John's, they were uncharacteristically, I mean, I hate to use the word, but they were uncharacteristically bad. They went 4-12. and 12. However, you do bring back Unique Drake, Leilani Correa, Emma Nolan, Kadeja Bailey, and Raven Peoples. You know, Those are major contributors, and they have a lot of experience. Drake's a junior. Correa's a junior. Nolan's a junior. Bailey's a senior, and so is Peoples. And, I mean, it also helps having, you know, I mean, not just Sophia Nolan, but Emma Nolan as well, uh, both, uh, you know, know, twins from uh, Valparaiso, Indiana. They also bring in a transfer, Danielle Cosgrove. Danielle Patterson's a grad transfer, so I'm expecting St. John's to have a major bounce-back year. You know, it was really uncharacteristic for Joe Tartamel and his squad to struggle as much as they did. And then as for Providence, they finished seventh, which was something in itself. At four and ten, I mean, four and ten is not great, but keep in mind this is the Big East and it's top-heavy. But you look at who's coming back. Alyssa Geary's back. Mary Baskerville's back. Both of them are seniors. And they're going to solidify that front court. And then you bring in a grad transfer. Andreana Rister. Another very solid player. I mean, experience is going to be key for this team in this conference. They'll probably finish in that 7 to 8 range again. This is, this is, this is a. You know, Proud is trying to build something here. Jim Crowley is trying to build something. And, you know, it's going to be slow. It's going to take time. But I guarantee you he's going to say, you know, that this development, you know, it's going to be worth it in the end. And it also helps, you know, some of the freshmen that he brings in, Kylie Shepard, Nariah Scott, Aubrey Coke or Koch, it's tough to get it, you know, because I've heard it pronounced both ways, Olivia Olson and Emily Archibald, and one name, her last name will sound familiar, Megan Herter, yeah, that's right, the the sister of Atlanta Hawks uh, shooting guard, Kevin Herter, uh, who played at Maryland, is now balling out for the Hawks in in a very tough Eastern Conference Finals right now, you know, like, I'm pretty sure the first conference final for Atlanta since 2015, they're trying to go to the NBA Finals, by the way, for the first time since, I believe, the 60s, that's kind of a big deal down in ATL, and Megan Herter, um, you know, new to the Friars, she's trying to find her own success on the court. So yeah, that's a lowdown of um, Big East women's hoops, Uh, coming up next... I mentioned Seton Hall, a very good season last year at 12-5 and 5 in conference. They were third in Big East, and they got a lot to build off of with a lot of key returners, including Andre Espinoza hunter and Lauren Park Lane. Head coach Tony Bazella is going to join me next here on the Igloo, so you do not want to miss that. Welcome back to the Igloo. As I mentioned, I wanted to cover the women's side, especially now that a high high-level program, elite program like UConn is here. I mean, to cut the women's side of things, you know, not cutting them just like they deserved. I felt like I was doing them a disservice. So changing things up on the Igloo and giving the women a well-deserved spot on the show and what better way to start this coverage with uh, one of the many great coaches who make up uh, Big East women's basketball, a guy I've had the pleasure of working with um, during my years at Seton Hall, um, you know, anytime I got to do a game um, with, uh, for his team, it was always great getting to, you know, interview him before the game, you know, talk hoops and, you know, just learn about the dynamics of the game and, you know, day-to-day life in college, uh, women's college basketball from this guy. And I'm so proud to have him on, uh, head coach of Seton Hall Women's Basketball, Tony Bazella, Coach B, it's so good to have you on and really looking forward to catching up with you. And of course, you know, talk about this past year and looking ahead to this year.
1: I'm so excited to be here, Tim. Like I said, you you and I have known each other for a long time. And I've always said, you know, what great job you do, um, both professionally and and research-wise. and You're always on top of everything. So I can't thank you enough for having me. I'm raring to go, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, so um, let's just, I mean, keeping things fresh with uh, this past season, uh, obviously the most difficult season to navigate through, I think, in the history of college basketball just in general um you guys got off to a bit of a rough start and you also had to go through one of your own personal battles you know you know battling you know being uh tested positive for covid uh but uh first of all I definitely want to ask you what um what it was like you know dealing with uh uh covid at that time and uh how difficult was it uh, to be away um, from you know the, your players um your fellow coaches um for as long as you were
1: yeah no and and thank you you know i want I, you know um alexa philippo from the Hartford current did a, a, a great story on it in february and i and i want i was so you know I, I respect her writing so much i wanted to um share my story just to protect other people and It was unbelievable, Tim. You know, I went from not feeling from being contracted with COVID to not feeling good to trying to come back to work for a day or two to, you know, my daughter, who's a PA student, making me go to the hospital after she diagnosed me to being in the hospital and the doctor saying to me, I think you'll be okay. Well, I'm like, what do you mean you think? And like, I I broke down and started to cry. They're all by myself. They're not allowing visitors. Um, you know, and then I have a, a, a you know, and my regular doctor comes in and goes, puts his arm around me and goes, you'll be okay. You know, we know how to treat this now. And, you know, I was on oxygen level five and in two days I was off it, thanks to the great nurses at St. Barnabas and the great doctors. Um, I was out in five days. I thought I'd be there 10 or 15. Um, you know, then my, my daughter's taking great care of me through these, through these months along with the doctors. And I'm feeling better. You know, I'm in a study right now. I just started it. Um, St. Barber's has a research study and you had to apply to get in. And my daughter applied for me and I got in. So they'll study me for the next year to two years, along with a bunch of other patients. And, you know, part of it is to track, you know, what we're doing, but also track our health, make sure we're okay, but also do research to, to how, if we have another, you know, um, you know, you know, infection, you know, rate or something like that. then or how have a variant. Change. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I am I'm lucky to have such great doctors at St. Barnabas and, and and my daughter who took care of me. And then my staff here, you know, they took a lot of pressure off me. I never felt I had to come back and coach. I, I you know, they they were great. My my top assistant, Lauren DeFalco, has been, you know, she's been amazing. She cared for me and everything. And then obviously great assistants like Marissa and Jose and Pete and um, you know, Shalia and 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 Didi were amazing, you know checking in on me making sure everything went fine here um you know we couldn't have had the success we had this season without these kit these assistants on a normal year let alone this year you know and and I can't thank them enough and you know you know I I I I, I owe my career life this past year to them but personally they helped me a lot too
0: yeah and I mean you know obviously you know you know there's obviously you know a rainbow that comes after a thunderstorm, and uh, that rainbow came um, like courtesy it, yeah. of, can't, courtesy of you know a a explosive transfer, Andrea Espinoza Hunter. I mean, I just watching her, she she's one of the first I would say you know with her sc- prolific scoring where I kind of just sat there. I mean, yes, we could talk about Paige Beckers for hours, but Andrea Espinoza Hunter. I mean, just her scoring prowess, I legitimately said, wow. Um, quite a few times and she definitely provided that wow factor and elevated you guys from being a team that was really struggling kind of like stuck in quicksand to you know excelling at being you know a top three team in the big east this year
1: yeah i i think first of all i will use that line quite often a rainbow always comes like after a storm i love that great job but i i, I have to tell you I, I i've coached for 29 years as a head coach my 30th year and um on hunters had a, such an impact on. My career, my life. Um, she's my security blanket. I say it all the time. Um, she got here. She assimilated herself. We never thought she'd be able to play for a semester, and we were able to get her eligible thanks to Lauren, my, you know, my my my, my top assistant and recruiting coordinator. But also from Will and Tatum in, in compliance and um, Tatum being our senior wardens administrator. They did a great job. Um, we didn't think she'd be eligible halfway through. We took a shot. We got it. And she, Andre, looked like she had been here for years. And not only from a basketball standpoint, she's a great basketball player. She's a great person. She became a great leader. I always call her the mother hen because she put everyone together. But she saved me a lot too. I mean, I can't tell you how many times during a game she put her arm around me, including the first game I ever coached her. It'll be okay, Coach B, we got this. I'm like, no, no, she goes, we got this. And then she just would handle it. And it was amazing, Tim, on and off the court, you know, I owe so much to her. I, I, I do. And, um, you know, the rest of the players were great kids and, and stuff, but, you know, she, she, she had as big an impact in, in my life as any player I've ever coached. And everyone's like, Oh, cause she scored 19 points. a game was first team in big East. No, because she believed in what we were trying to do. Um, she trusted me and most important, she cared about me. And um, you know, it's not like that with all the kids and stuff. And, you know, when you, you get your great player to care that much about you, that meant a lot. And, and, and I'll always, I'll never forget this year because of, I, I, because of her. I really, she, she was amazing.
0: And, you know, like, I think one of the big reasons why I think she had such a big year is having such a great point guard who could facilitate and get her the ball and, you know, do a little bit of everything herself too. I mean, uh, Lauren Park Lane was another player that, you know, like, you know, you see bits and pieces in the year before where you're like, okay, she's got something. And then she, you know, has a coming out party this past year. And, you know, now we're looking at her and, you know, having that one, two punch in your backcourt, I feel like you gotta be like, I'm the luckiest guy in college in in the big East right now. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause Lauren is not only another tremendous player, she's a tremendous person. She's grown so much. Her parents are so like supportive of me and my program to allow us to coach Lauren as hard as we need to. Um, And I think that's a big reason she's gotten better because she takes it and she has parents at home that hold her accountable. Um, And she knows, you know, she's tremendous offensive player and she's worked really hard in it and she's getting her defense now to be that way, but she's most of all, Tim, the best competitor. She wants to win everything. Free throw contest, three point contest, dribbling contest. She wants to win and that's great. And, and her and Andre along with now Maya Jackson, you know they come to play ball all the time, and it's it, it's great and uh, to have three people like that lead your program, be your three best players, and 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 to be you know that competitive, that's incredible. And I and, I, and like I said, Lauren is special in so many ways, but her competitiveness I think sets her apart from everybody else.
0: So I club. know um, summer workouts um, they have been going on for too long. I know um, um, some of the newbies have only been around for you know. Maybe a couple weeks or so, but um, you know, from what you've seen, um, you know, um, who are you most encouraged by? I mean, you could even you know pick you know a returning player who you know you're seeing a, a spike in development or uh, you know who you know who have you seen a lot of um, promise from potential, you name it, you know who's uh, who's been catching your eye this summer so far?
1: Well, I think out yeah, of the return is my memories really. I've really been impressed with her. She's coming in great shape. She's playing a lot more confident. She's a super huge key to our success. She handles the ball, passes the ball. She understands how to play the game. So I'm really excited with her. Um, and newcomer-wise, Katie Armstrong's play is fantastic. Uh, transfer from Fairfield, um, grad transfer. Um, she understands the game. She's been well-coached throughout her years at Fairfield. Um, so she, she brings that experience in and that understanding of the game. But she plays really hard, Tim. She's a great, you know, she's gonna be a great runner, unselfish player. She's gonna fit in perfectly for us. And then Ariel Cummings has been a little slow by, you know, a little bit of nagging injuries, but you know, we're counting on her to be a big presence inside. And you know, we have some good returners inside. Um, but but Ariel's, you know, if she can play to her ability, I think she can be a great X factor for us but um, those three really have stood out. You know, the kids have come in, they've worked hard, you know, um, you know, we've had half of them here so far the other half come second half and I'm excited for these kids. They, they, they've done what I've asked them to do. They, 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 they've been supportive of what we've asked them to do. Um, but these three, you know, I, I want to touch on the two newcomers, Katie and Ariel, but really Maya has, has really, you know, shown me a lot this summer so far.
0: Yeah. And, the way I kind of see it, you know, um, obviously you guys had been towards more of the middle of the pack in the big East. And now that top three finish, I think is going to elevate you guys, uh, especially with, you know, obviously Andra Lauren coming back and basically the majority of the team coming back with a couple of new additions. Um, dare I say, this is, you know, you gotta be feeling about as confident um, in this program. And, you know, obviously with the result you got last year and, you know, looking ahead to, this year now um, kind of to, you know, the success you achieved in your first three years in South orange.
1: Yeah. I I think this team has a chance to be as good as those three teams without a doubt. Um, You know, we have a premier point guard, one of the best in the country. Um, Our two guard is, you know, the only player in the big East last two years to shoot above 40% from three. And she's going to have a great year because she's gotten so much better and she's in great shape. And Andre's, you know, second or not, in terms of players, I'll put her up against anyone in the league. I, I really will. She's smart, she's tough. She's worked on a game. She's got a nice post-up game to herself now. She's worked on a lot of things. And, you know, and, and like I said, we have some great newcomers and I think our attorneys are, have all gotten better and they're going to get better. This is a really good team. You know, our goal is certainly NCAAs. I mean, finished third in the big East last year ahead of the DePaul, uh, something Seton Hall had never done. Um, you know, so I think, with our returning players and, and the talent that we have. And we have great chemistry. I mean, I think, you know, we have a chance to, to be really good. I know our girls want to be really good. And, you know, we need to be, cause it's a really good league. If we're not ready to play, we're going to struggle. And I think we'll be very ready to play.
0: Yeah. And I, trust me, I know you always have them ready to play. You know, that intensity that I've seen on the sidelines sil- over many years, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's infectious. It rubs off and, you know, looking ahead, I, I think you guys are really going to, you know, challenge yourselves, um, you know, in your non-conference schedule, particularly. And, you know, like I was looking at that schedule and uh, the, only yeah. games that are like official official um, are uh, in Cancun uh, the week of Thanksgiving. And I mean, your first game out of those two, I mean, you're facing a sweet 16 team right away with arguably one of the best players in America um, on that other side in black and gold, um, you know, I, you know, aside from that, you know, how much work can you touch on with, um, you know, how much you guys plan on testing yourselves uh, before the start of big East play.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you opened that up. Um, Yeah. We, Iowa with Caitlin is going to be a great challenge for us. And we wanted to play a really top 10 team in the country and they will be, and they're smart, extremely well-coached. And they have a lot of talent, you know, sort of like I, hopefully us, um, especially the (laughs) well-coached we'll try and do our best there, but we have really talented players and, you know, we are going to play Princeton, which, Again, two years ago, it was an NCAA team and they didn't, couldn't participate this year. Fordham, which is always the top three team in the A-10, has two really strong non-league games. Lehigh, which made the NCAA tournament last year, is also on our schedule. We're trying to play Rutgers. We've, we've not been able to get them to agree. I, I, I'll be blunt. I have no idea why. Um, we both have an open date. I think we need to grow women's basketball in the state of New Jersey. We've asked them. We've offered to go there first. Um, to restart the series the men have a great hardwood series that's all we want to have let's just start it up let's you know let's promote women's basketball to the best we can I think as coaches um, as a head coach I owe it to the the kids on our team and the community and everything to play this game and I I, I'm disappointed that Rutgers has has not responded Um, we've asked them to and uh, they keep having different reasons why you know they you know we, we would make it, we've made it work and we would work and I'm willing to go there even though the last time we played them we went there too, but let's start the series up. Let's get our own trophy. Let's really promote it. Let's get it on national TV, which I think all those things can happen. Um, I know we'll sell out Rutgers at our gym. I, I would pledge it myself if we, you know, I would buy the tickets myself. If we didn't have to. Um, I, I, I know I wouldn't have to, cause I know it would be sold out. Um, if, if they, you know, still continue to not want to play. We, I know there are other team will be a power five team that we're going to play. Um, because our kids want to be challenged. I want to challenge our program. So whether it's, you know, a strong Pac-12 team that have reached out to us or an SEC team or a Big Ten team, you know, um, we're going to play one of those teams and uh, and, and and challenge ourselves. Like I said, but we want to play Rutgers. I mean, we need to promote the sport in the state of New Jersey, and we would, um, like I said, I don't know why they won't do it. Um, we've, you know, I'm just stumped. We both have the same day you know they advertise they need that day we have it open and we're willing to go there so um but we're gonna play a good team that's for sure
0: yeah no of course and you know i think with it, you know with your schedule you know you want to you know maximize your opportunities to get ready for you know biggie's play i mean even in women's bad, obviously you know like it's if we're being blunt you know everyone knows uconn is yeah. the supreme leader but you know there's a lot of room to jostle for number two, and you know it, it's a gauntlet, especially with you know teams like DePaul and Marquette and Creighton. um So you know, you know what? What are you kind of like? You know, looking at towards okay, how can we build off of last season? How can we possibly get a top two finish and be able to you know really you know wear our head at, straight at UConn and say like okay, like we're ready and we can actually put up a fight and a, and a challenge which we rarely see from a lot of teams um in in ncaa women's basketball
1: right yeah like i said we we're the one of the few teams in the country that led them at half we were only down four at the end of three quarters and you know but it's a four-quarter game and that's you don't get any wins for for that and our girls know that and our girls are confident but we have to be more consistent against some of the other teams i mean you know, we lost twice to creighton both times we led by double digits in the third quarter um, you, you can't allow those losses. Um, we went to DePaul and missed our first twelve three pointers and lost the game right at the end. You, you can't do those things and expect to be really good. Um, like I said, we've you know finished third in the league last year at, at twelve and five. And like I said, our two losses to UConn, a uh, loss to Creighton where we led, um, you know by double digits in the third quarter, lose to Creighton again in the playoffs, lose to Mark um, DePaul shooting over twelve from three. I mean, you know there's you know not too many. You know, teams that that can be as successful as we are with our talent, but be um, you know lose a couple of games that we probably shouldn't have lost if we had played more consistently. So we've worked on consistently, consistence. I think we will be much more consistent. I think Katie Armstrong is a really consistent player. My memories become more consistent. Um, you know, Sydney Cooks is is a big a big part of our program. Um, transfer Mississippi State, um, one of the top five players in the country coming out of high school. Uh, she'll join us in August because she's finishing up her degree. But, you know, six four, six five shoots a three. I, I think if she's as good as we all hope she is, then, you know, we're going to be really, really good. If she's okay, then we're going to be good. Um, or we need someone else to step up. But we will have someone step up, but I'm excited with Sydney. I, I do think she'll make a huge difference. And um, I, I, I think we have good talent. Um, we have a lot of competition. Um, we've got to be consistent, Tim. We, we have to be. And I think playing a little better non-league schedule because we didn't really get to play one last year will help us with our consistency as well, too.
0: So uh, I definitely want to touch on this. So the last thing, you guys were unfortunately unable to play with fans because by the time uh, New Jersey uh, started allowing fans back into indoor events, um, your regular season by that time was already over. Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, you got. I feel like you have to be just really amped up to be be back in front of, um, you know, the Seton Hall faithful again. And not only that, but inside uh, essentially a brand new Walsh gymnasium as that's, you know, still undergoing um, that renovation that was supposed to happen this time last year. uh, But now it's expected to be completed in time, um, you know, for the fall. And of course the beginning of your season. So I know um, because I know we had talked about how, you know, you were a student at Seton Hall back in the eighties and you remember going to Walsh and seeing Chris Mullen and Patrick Ewing play, uh, but what's it going to be like, you know, with that facelift and essentially almost playing in a, I mean, granted, we all know Walsh gyms 80 plus years old now, but uh, since we playing in a, in a brand new, uh, brand new gym, you know, new seats, new scoreboard hanging up above, you know uh, you know, adding all that together, how excited are you to obviously be playing in that new Walsh gym? And of course, back in front of the home fans again, for the first time in over a year.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, um... Uh, it's so exciting it's, you can hear the noise outside my thing they're working i mean we have an nda floor going down it's that quality of floor i mean i was talking to the, the um you know the the gc the other day general contractor and he was explaining everything to me and you know who, who do we thank? obviously pat lyons my former ad now vice president um dr nyer who's you know still pushing this through even during covid and of course brian felt brian felt asked for help in, in, you know, thoughts and ideas and he's done a great job. We're going to, you know, designing an amazing uh, facility. Um, It's going to be lab, scoreboard, lights, videos, you know, fog machines, dance team, cheerleaders, the band. It's going to be an amazing place. We sold out four times two years ago. I think we'll sell out double that this year. We have a great team and you know, our fans are eager to come back. It, it, it's, 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 awesome. It, you know, I was saying to one of the recruits, it's one of the top 10 places to play in the country because of the atmosphere and because of our fans. And I'm just really excited to have that opportunity to, to show our fans what a great facility that, you know, Brian felt and everyone has, has helped build, but what a great product that's going to be in that great facility. I mean, the product is going to be amazing. Our, our kids are super excited and we feed off our fans. I mean, we do, we have a great following, like I said, it's, I think it's one of the top ten atmospheres in, in women's basketball in the country.
0: Yeah, and you know, um, I'm I'm gonna be one of those people that I'm I'm just gonna be like I'm gonna be a little shook. Not gonna like, as the kids say, when I first step into into New Walsh Gym, be like, whoa, this yeah. is you know, you're not gonna see the rustic seats from way back in the day. Um,
1: that was so hard and hurt your back at the end. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, for the nostalgia purposes, I'm going to miss them, but will my back, (laughs) absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, obviously there's a lot to look forward to a new gym, um, basically the entire uh, same and almost the same entire squad with a few new pieces coming back. And of course, Seton Hall gunning for um, their first NCAA bid since 2016 um and they, i know they have the talent to do it and it takes a great coach to lead them and of course that is my guest tony bazella coach me it was great having you on it was great catching up beforehand and um i'm really looking forward to you know watching you guys uh from afar and then hopefully you know whether it be as a fan or just as a media member as i try to expand that continue expanding that coverage looking forward to seeing you um of course the rest of your staff and of course, your squad um, throughout uh, throughout this season, a full season, thankfully. So I'm really looking forward to that. And again, thanks for taking the time uh, to be our uh, the first women's basketball guest uh, here on the igloo.
1: Well, I'm really excited that I am the first, but I'm also excited to see the, your great career path. You you know how much I think of you, and, and 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 I'm just so happy to be a small part of it. And you do a great job, and I enjoy listening to it all the time, but thank you for having me on happy 4th of July to everyone. Um, and hello to all our pirate fans out there and go pirates.
0: And that's the only way I know how you'd wrap it up because I know every time I interview you, you close out with those two exact words, go pirates. And I, and I always came to appreciate that. So, um, Tony Bazell, ladies and gentlemen, more on the igloo, including some, uh, TBT coverage, um, wrapping that up. And of course, talk about the Gavit games and more. Here on the igloo, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back inside the igloo. Thanks again to Coach B. I can't say this enough. Coach B is the man. I said that when I was in school. I'll say it now. Nothing's changed. But let's keep, let's get some more TBT talk because I only really touched on you know who's in, who to look out for. But you know, let's dissect these regionals, shall we? Well, zip them up. Three seed in Columbus, a loaded Xavier alumni team that features. Guys that really elevated the status of that program from twenty fourteen to eighteen, including JP McCura, Trayvon Blewett, Kaiser Sean O'Mara, Kareem Cantor, just to name a few. They're gonna be taking on Ohio's alumni team, Ohio 1804. You know, on paper, damn good Xavier roster. And Ohio, a lot of their, you know, main pieces were guys that Helped lead Ohio to the Sweet Sixteen back in 2012 as a 13 seed, but you know some's telling me you know act, uh, Zip them up will take care of business, and you know the rest of that regional you know you have the nerd team above them taking on Buffalo's alumni team, blue collar you. Buffalo is some really good alumni too, and a team that you know made the tournament. A bunch of times from 2015 until 2019, you know, even upsetting Arizona in 18, getting to the round of 32 that year as well as 2019. They're taking on the nerd team, which features guys from Ivy League schools, uh, really highly intellectual engineering schools, so on and so forth. You know, I'm anticipating a matchup with Blue Collar you, but, you know, in TBT, you never know. You know, I I expect this team to be in that Sweet 16. And, you know, that could potentially set up a matchup, a big one, with Red Scare, which, you know, that's an old-school rivalry between the Musketeers and the Flyers. And that'll be something to behold in Columbus. And, you know, this regional in general, you know, it's, it's pretty solid. Featuring alumni teams, obviously the top seed from Ohio State, Carmen's crew. You also have... Alumni teams from Purdue and Tennessee in this regional, Men of Mackey and and Volunteers. The Money team, sponsored by Floyd Money Mayweather, is there. Team Hines, who has been a very solid uh, team in in TBT. They're back in, as well as a St. Bonaventure alumni team, Brown and White. Other alumni teams in that regional as well. I mean, other than Dayton's alumni team, Brad Scarra, you got the 10-7 matchup, which features... NC State and Miami's alumni team. So a little bit of an ACC matchup just in round one between Wolfblood and Category 5, NC State versus Miami. Again, you never know with TBT, but I kind of tend to like Xavier's odds in this scenario. When you have Makura, Blewett, guys that were really solid contributors in the Big East. You know... You know, I expect them to have some success, especially because they're playing rather close to home from Cincinnati going down to Columbus. So I'm expecting big things from there. Meanwhile, let's talk about the defending champs. Golden Eagles. One seed in Illinois in Peoria. They're gonna be taking on B one ballers. An interesting group. I'll I'll say that. But this is a good regional because you have the host teams in this regional, which include House of Pain from the University of Illinois, a team that made a deep run last summer. Always a Brave, Bradley's Alumni Team, which is right at home in Peoria. And then some of the other teams, man. I mean, Autism Army is a 5 seed that features D'Angelo Harrison, SDD Hoops, the 12C they're facing in the first round. A team raising sickle cell awareness that features former DePaul star, Billy Garrett Jr., who's from Chicago. Peoria All-Stars are always in there. Um, all, I should say also not always, but... The Overlooked, Murray State's alumni team is in there. The always ferocious, Beheim's Army from Syracuse, they are in there as well. Tubby Time, team consisting of guys that played for Tubby Smith. The 9-8 matchup right below them, and it's kind of shocking. Brotherly Love versus Jimmy V. Brotherly Brotherly Love has won a lot of games in TBT. Playing for Jimmy V is another solid team that features uh, former Seton Hall forward and moved on eventually to Seattle U, Miles Carter. That's a tough round of 32 matchup right there. But it's definitely a regional Marquette's alumni team can win. And, you know, when you have the title of defending champs, you got a target on your back now. So, and Golden Eagles, obviously, they know that. And all they have to do is just elevate their level of play. And I think it's pretty safe to say that that's what they're going to do and what they intend to do. And then finally, out in Wichita, that's where you'll find the Omaha Blue Crew making their first TBT appearance like zip Em Up. 10th seed in Wichita taking on the 7th seed. Purple and Black, Kansas State's alumni team. And a rematch of a first-round matchup from the 2018 NCAA Tournament, a game won by Kansas State out in Charlotte. This is about as true of a neutral site game as you can get. Both these teams are within a few hours of Charles Koch Arena in Wichita. I think Creighton might have an advantage there because they've had guys that have played in that arena dating back to their old Missouri Valley Conference days. And if they beat Purple and Black... You got a matchup with Wichita State, and man, they had a ferocious rivalry back in the Missouri Valley days before Creighton moved on to the Big East. And man, I think fans on both sides for Omaha Blue Crew and Aftershocks, uh, the host team, uh, to have that rivalry renewed in this tournament. I think that's something everyone wants to see at this point. Other notable teams that are in this regional, you know, you have alumni teams from newman Goretti High School, which I think is fascinating, New Mex- University of New Mexico, Oklahoma State. The Drew League has a team in there as well. They're taking on Quincy McKnight's team, mental toughness. Arkansas, well, simply named Team Arkansas, the Fort Worth Funk out of TCU. And then a, a Patriot League alumni team that's scheduled to face aftershocks in round one. Top seed in that region everyone's gunning for is Eberline Drive. I mean, mean, they're loaded. I mean, their first player announcement was J.P. Tokido. Very solid player at the University of North Carolina. It's going to be tough. I I like to believe that Omaha Blue Crew will get the win in that first round. And, I mean, I I guess I'm a little biased when I say I'm like, man, I would love to see a matchup between Omaha Blue Crew and Aftershocks. Just for that old-school Missouri Valley rivalry. You know, it will it has that nostalgia factor to it. Who wouldn't want that? And speaking of Omaha Blue Crew, a guy I've had on the show frequently now joining for the third time, coming up next, my guy, Jahenz Maniga, who, by the way, you know, celebrated a birthday recently. Uh, so shout out, you know, happy birthday, Jay. I know I, you know, messaged you personally, wishing you a happy birthday, but I just wanted to say publicly as well. I'm going to have that segment with him talking about assembling the Omaha Blue Crew and what to expect out of them in Wichita July 16th through the 20th. So that's coming up next here on the Igloo. Don't go anywhere. Awfully funny how the summer tour for the Igloo works out because I didn't have an episode for an entire month and now I'm about to have my second episode in basically a week uh, to conclude <laughs> the month of June. i dissecting more TBT and as I mentioned previously on the selection show, three biggest alumni teams, Golden Eagles, your reigning champs, zip them up representing Xavier. And of course the Omaha blue crew and joining me for a third time, which I think you, you might be up there in terms of um, you know, who is the most uh, igloo appearances out of anybody. Uh, but it's good to really good to have my guy, Jehens Maniga, um, One of the many cogs to get an Omaha blue crew in the TBT um, Jehens, Welcome back. And um, again, you know, like shout out to you and, you know, the rest of the guys that, uh, you know, orchestrated all this and actually, you know, turned this like a pipe dream really, uh, you know, into reality. And then now we're going to see, you know, create an uh, alumni team here in this, in this tournament. So looking forward to it and yeah, thanks for coming back on to discuss it.
2: Man, It's always a pleasure to get back on the podcast with you, brother. You already know, whenever you come calling, I'm opening up that door.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, even I'm just lightly knocking it just,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> you, you already know, you already know. So yeah. yeah um, you know, we kind of like were joshing it and just kind of like not really diving deep into it, but you know, it was like, you know, this idea you tossed around with a couple other uh, Creighton alums, like, Hey, what if we did this? And you know, that if became a when and that when is now this summer. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, what's more of the backstory on, how the Omaha Blue Crew uh, came to be for 2021.
2: Well, we've been watching a basketball tournament for the last couple of summers, handful of summers now, and it's it's an exciting, different type of basketball atmosphere. You got the Elam ending, which is in itself totally different from, obviously, regular basketball play. Uh, I had a chance, actually, to play in the Canadian Elite uh, Basketball League last summer, and they introduced the Elam ending down there, too, so got a little bit of familiarity with it, but it just kind of came from all of us kind of watching those games, seeing some of those alumni teams and, and how much fun it looked like they were having, just getting back together and playing together again. And, you know, in Omaha, there's a summer league here. We play pickup here. You know, some of us who are still playing pro go down to Crane and we've practiced with those guys. But I think to have a team, to, to put a team together with one common goal, which is to win a championship, Uh, I think it'd be really fun to just get back with the old crew, you know, see, see if we still got it. Uh, And it just became, you know, just conversations of, you know, what if we did this? What if we were a team that was on ESPN, you know, do we have a chance at a million just like all these other teams? And uh, it was just conversations happening in the background. Uh, We were able to put it all together. Uh, Obviously Josh Jones leading the way we had Michael Vandervoort, a former student manager of ours really step up big and, and, you know, put us back in the right direction in order to be able to make it happen for this summer. Uh, so we were actually a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, we hope that we have a good showing this summer and then more guys are interested in playing for the upcoming summers.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this year's squad, I mean, you know, you have some of your teammates from when you were playing there, uh, but even, um, you know, seeing the roster, uh, you know, some of the newer guys, uh, like, uh, for example, another former guest, the Igloo, uh Martin Krompel, um, you know, uh, overall, you know, you know, how do you feel about the group, uh, you know, just the variety of uh, talent that you guys have from, you know, literally the beginning of the 2010s to the end of them and even beyond into the late 2000s.
2: Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, the guys that we were able to get together to get them to commit to play, uh, this summer are good guys. Uh, the thing about Korean university is we're all taught to play what I like to call the right way. You know, we share the ball, we moved the ball, we're unselfish. So, as long as you get a group of like-minded guys who are willing to play that way or willing to sacrifice for each other, then you have a good shot against anybody. So I like uh, the guys around the team. I've, I've known them all for, for many years. Obviously, we have some uh, other guys who are, who are joining us as well. It's not just Crane alumni guys. We got, you know, a guy from Drake, a guy that went to Nebraska. But uh, all in all, uh, I think just us understanding how to play the right way is going to help us a ton. And uh, hopefully we can make a pretty deep push for this uh, first summer coming up.
0: So, uh, you know, what was your initial reaction to seeing the the draw you guys got, hearing your name called early as a 10 seed up in a place that you have familiarity with, Wichita, Mm -hmm. and a team that Creighton has some history with, which is uh, K-State and their alumni team, Black and Purple.
2: I, I'm i a huge conspiracy theorist. I've been on your show, what, twice now? This is my third time. Yep. We've spoken about this a little bit in previous episodes. So as soon as I saw K-State, I was like, here we go again. ESPN, here we go. Let's get it. And then the fact that we would be playing Wichita if we win that first game as a second-round matchup, I mean, that's kind of like what TBT is all about, right? It's just reigniting those rivalries in a different kind of format. So... Uh, When I saw our bracket, I just honestly, it's kind of what I expected, but it's also good, you know, like it's going to be a tough tournament either way. You're going to have to play really good teams from the beginning all the way through to the end, much like the NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm really excited for it. Uh, Like I said, it's going to be my first time playing in TBT Um, and uh, to have fans back in an arena after playing a whole year in Lithuania where we couldn't have fans. uh, I'm really very much looking forward to that too and crane fans travel, uh, word on the street is that we're going to have some pretty good, uh, pretty good group of people. who are going to come down there and cheer us on. So I'm I'm very much excited to play in front of those guys as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Um, I mean, you guys obviously have that history, uh, with, you know, not just Wichita state, but just the city of Wichita really in general, (laughs) um, you know, as we were, you know, discussing before, uh, and, uh, and we were talking before, and, you know, you said, I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm excited to be back in Coke Arena. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, what prompts a statement like that to be going back to a place where you were probably susceptible to, you know, projectiles
2: being thrown at you? Not quite to that extent, but, uh, I mean, the verbal abuse from Wichita State fans is kind of unmatched. They really get after you. Uh, especially when you go into that building and you win. That's one of the toughest buildings to play in the Valley uh, and other programs that have gone in there. I'm sure that atmosphere rivals a lot of schools around the nation. So uh, I'm excited to go back there because it, I actually have some pretty decent memories there. You know, for the guys who are listening to this and not watching the video, I am actually have the uh, 2013 Valley Championship banner behind me as we're talking, so... Uh, I've had some decent success in Wichita, which is why going in there, especially in that kind of environment when we were student athletes, uh, instead of, you know, kind of shying away from that, those were kind of the stuff that I was looking very much forward to, to go into a tough environment and try and pull out a win. So, and and to do it with a a band of brothers that, you know, you eat with every day, you practice with every day that you live with. So uh, it's not going to be quite that this time around, obviously. But again, it's just a building that I have some pretty good memories of and it'll be cool to just, you know, step foot in there again and and see what we can do.
0: So, you know, let's put it in a hypothetical sense, you know, cards, you know, they go the way that you want them to, you Mm -hmm. take down purple and black, you know, obviously hypothetically and you get that matchup with aftershocks Mm
1: -hmm. Are
0: is there going to be this party of like, damn, this feels like 2013 all over again.
2: (laughs) Uh, Maybe Uh, we'll see, you know, it's, it's wild because, like, I've been a pro now for seven years, and I've ran into guys that I've played against and either in the Valley or in the Big East just in all my travels. And it's like the second that you see someone that you used to play against like regularly, th- those emotions actually do come right back, like immediately. It's like you see a familiar face that was a rival before or whatnot, and then all of a sudden, like, it, it's heightened up. I remember I played against Terry Murray, and uh, a Wichita State guy in um, – Germany a couple of years back and it's like he saw me I saw him and I know what I was feeling I can only imagine what he was feeling inside but it's just like that animosity that that competitive spirit automatically is just raised to a whole other level so I feel like if like you just said those hypotheticals happen we beat uh black and uh purple in the first game and uh, after shot gets their first win and we end up meeting them in that second round. I feel like everyone who has participated in those rivalry games are going to have those same kind of emotions just flow right back into their system. And, you know, that makes for great competitive basketball. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the only guy that might have to get brushed up in the history between you two, I feel like it has to be mm-hmm. Martine, but I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of that knowledge just naturally just gets passed down secondhand or whatever.
2: Yeah, it, you're bred to hate some schools when you come here. It's just the, kind of the way that it is. Our fans are so passionate about, you know, Crane being a really good program and being a, a number one school no matter what um, conference that we're in. So when we are in the Valley, Wichita State, Missouri State, Drake, all those teams, you and I, look, like, we had to get after. And once we moved to the Big East, obviously, we're talking about Villanova, you know, uh, Xavier, Seton Hall, you know, those are the teams that, like, we really – Uh, Marquette, those are the teams that are, we're really taught to, you know, get after him. So again, Martin, he's going to know, I think he's going to feel the intensity and and he's going to really understand, you know, what's at stake. And then also he's a really good player. So I'm sure he's going to be in a competitive spirit as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, last summer, Golden Eagles made good, you know, on, uh, because 2019, they came oh so close to winning. The TBT title um, mm-hmm. and they redeemed themselves last summer um, in the bubble in Columbus, you know, coming into this as defending TBT champs, you know, they represented the biggie so well as the only alumni team. Now you get three of them, you, you two plus zip them up. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously golden Eagles has some history in this tournament, but what's it like seeing not just you guys, but also, you know, zip them up, um, you know, got a pretty high seed, as a three seed out in Columbus uh, with a lot of familiar faces, more, more with the, Big East then you know back in back when they were in the eight ten, you know seeing certain guys that Creighton fans came to hate and I'm not going to name drop any names but <laughs> all you need is two letters to really say who and then of course Trayvon Blue who was just a killer not with his attitude but just because he was a damn good player and then a yeah. lot of those other familiar faces from that class you know Karem Cantor, Sean O'Meara, uh, Samash Christian who the first teamer in your lone year in the big East, you know, yeah. I mean, they really loaded up. So I got to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously you know about golden Eagles being the defending chance, but I really want to know because Creighton and Xavier jumped up quite the robbery as well. What are your thoughts on, on, on zip them up and the hype they've generated this summer?
2: But they look pretty good. they also looks pretty good on paper. Um, and not to mention my boy D Davis. I say my boy now, he wasn't my boy back then, but him and I actually were teammates in Germany a couple of years back too. So uh I, I I remember the first practice that I had in Germany when he was on the team with me and I was just like ah, I, I hate this guy I hate this guy and then after a couple of weeks I'm like oh well I guess he's my teammate you know gotta <laughs> gotta open up to him a little bit more so like, uh, it's out, good to see that yeah 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 <laughs> so it's good to see I think he's on the coaching staff I don't think he's playing he's uh for this summer there it is so Uh but yeah, no, it's it's cool to see, you know. Obviously, we talked about Marquez being a defending chance, but zip them up. I mean, if you look at their roster, they're they're nothing to sniff at either. So uh I'm very interested to see how they're going to do. Obviously, they're not in our uh region. Um, so we're just gonna have to kind of pay attention from afar. Um, but no, they they look really good. And you mentioned Samaj Christian, I remember the nightmare scout that he was how fast in transition that he was back then and I'm sure his game is only elevated since college just like all of our games have so uh if we ever get a chance to run into them it'll be a fun matchup I'm sure um but you know obviously we have to handle things on our side of our bracket and they have to handle things on their side of their brackets for for any of that to happen but well we'll be watching from afar for sure
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I didn't want to, like, because I don't know why I revere him in the same light as Lord Voldemort, where, like, I can't even (laughs) say his name. But I feel like this – I know it's been three years since he graduated, but I think Mm -hmm. we need a new, like, not say generation, but, like, a new group of college basketball viewers to be exposed to just – I mean, he wasn't – he's just – He's not really like a, a super villain, but like in college <laughs> basketball, but like he was hated. Like, I yeah, like, he was. Yeah. I mean, like what I feel like like I feel like it's going to be super cool to like have J.P. McCura reintroduced um, to an American audience again, because I mean, we only saw him like sparingly for I think it was the Charlotte Hornets and the Cleveland Cavaliers for a couple of years.
2: For me, whenever, because he was after I graduated, right? So whenever I saw him, he was like the Biggie's version of Grayson Allen, in my opinion, where it was like no matter where he went, he was just a hateable face for whatever reason, you know? And obviously, he's a really good player, a talented kid. So I could see why opposing fan bases would not like him so much. And he's got some attitude about him, too. So, I mean, he, he's just one of those guys that, for whatever reason fans latch onto and and they don't let go. So, yeah, no, it'll it'll be cool to see what kind of reception he gets, uh, especially if they make a deep run in this tournament. I'm sure as more and more fans are going to come to these arenas and watch the games and, and get more emotionally involved with what's going on, I'm sure he's gonna do one or two things that's gonna piss off the right fan base, and and they're gonna get right after him once again. So, like,
0: just imagine if he hits a dagger against Carmen's crew, for example, and does <laughs> oh, and if he does that. Yeah, he's not leaving <laughs> Columbus alive.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's a Cincinnati, right, Xavier? They're in Cincinnati, so yeah, yeah, they got that little thing happening there too. So, you know, it's. It, it'll be interesting that's all I can say it'll, it'll be interesting and I'm certainly gonna it's gonna pique at a lot of people's interest
0: I've heard he's a very very cool guy off the court but I think the way I've I've realized I'm like I
2: don't think much like, like everyone else people think Grant Gibbs is awful off the court I'm like no he's an awesome guy on the court but I could see why opposing fan bases hated him too so yeah like I always told this to Grant I'm like bro I would hate to be against you but I love that you're on my team like he's just one of those guys that you need on the team and uh, a lot of guys have made names for themselves being that type of player being that type of individual. So um, yeah, it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to just not only to watch them, obviously, but just to watch just a whole bunch of, you know, former standout student athletes uh, to kind of get their back see on them, what they've been up to the last few years and, and to be able to participate in a tournament with so many uh, great players, is uh you know it's a chance that we definitely want to give ourselves and i'm glad that we're able to figure it out
0: yeah and you know the point i was going to make about jp like i think he just plays crowds so like honestly the way i viewed him is like because now i like i know you can understand this when i tell you because of the discussion i had before he is like a pro wrestling heel yeah he just knows 100%. how to work a crowd like and like yeah. i mean i'll never forget when they went to Wisconsin. And the year before Florida had knocked him out in the sweet 16 and he hit a dagger and did the Gator chomp running backwards (laughs) on defense. I'm like, that's cerebral. Like that, like that is, that's it's evil, but it's genius.
2: What that is is triple H giving Shawn Michaels a pedigree right after they do the DX, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) that's really what it is. So he is a, I mean, like I said, guys, who have that kind of personality, they know how to get on a crowd and they know how to put all the heat on them. And like I mentioned Grant Gibbs, I guess he's the best example for me because he was that type of player that I got to play alongside of Grant Gibbs got so much attention sometimes from opposing fan bases that you would forget that Doug already has 28 at half. So it kind of helped us out a little bit. So, uh, you know, those guys, they know what they're doing. Like it's all calculated, trust me, but also it's needed in the sport. I think basketball will be kind of boring if we're all alike and, you know, all played like Tim Duncan, who, who the big fundamental. Like, I think basketball will be pretty boring. It's good to have all these different personalities where guys can express themselves and use the jeers and the cheers of the crowd in their advantage.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, especially now because last year, there wasn't anything to feed off of in the TBT mm-hmm. bubble. Um, but honestly, like, I feel like TBT really established itself. I mean, obviously, it was the only thing going on last summer. But <laughs> now I mean it's going to be competing with a lot but I feel like because of all the eyes it drew last year I feel like these fans are going to come back to it this year Mm -hmm. and I feel like we might even see even bigger numbers than what we saw a year ago so you know what are your thoughts of just having you know some eyes back on you uh, back in the states again and seeing you play
2: I'm very excited Um, like I said this whole year in Lithuania I wasn't able to play in front of a fan base at all, like basically from September to May that whole season. So I haven't played in front of a crowd since COVID broke out. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, And then to do it back in the States again, you know, unless you play in the NBA, then it's kind of hard to get that kind of, or obviously college basketball, but it's hard to get that kind of atmosphere uh, outside of college basketball once you're a pro. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited about it. And not only in our region, too, but like I said, like I'm going to be watching these games on TV as well when we get back to the hotel and 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 as the basketball tournament is going on, I'm very excited to see, you know, what different regions are doing as far as, you know, being able to bring some fans in to watch these games. So and having obviously the worldwide leader in sports like ESPN backing it all up and and showing all the games on ESPN three, that would be great, too. So. That people who aren't able to step out and, and travel to these places to watch those games live will have a chance to watch it on TV and uh, watch some of their favorite college basketball stars and and catch up with them and see what they've been up to since graduation
0: yeah so I mean I got I can't even imagine like just you know literally just uh, like just say a creighton fan literally they might not have seen you play a game on TV in seven years and like yeah. so <laughs> I feel like like you got it's got to be like you got to like get even somewhat sentimental just thinking about the possible like like this someone might be seeing you play a basketball game on tv for the first time Mm -hmm. since 2014 or whenever really just to think that long you know
2: yeah I, i don't think sentimental is the word uh but there, there is some excitement about that because my game has grown so much since I graduated. And I think it'll be a good chance to show people how much I've grown as a person, as a player. Um, and, you know, sometimes fans kind of, you know, pigeonhole you into a role because that's what you're asked to do in college. Uh, now my game has expanded a lot and I'm eager to show that too. So I, like you said, like if there's a fan that's just watching for the first time see me play on TV in seven years, the hands that they knew back in college might not be who they see this summer, because I feel like my game has, has expanded quite a bit. So I'm excited to just show off that part as well.
0: Yeah. And you know, um, I, I mean, so last thing before I let you go, I mean, obviously um, Travis deener I think touched on it a little bit, you know, obviously there's three biggie schools that have alumni mm-hmm. teams this year, but like essentially, you know, what would in a perfect world, we would have you know that sixty-four team TBT field, but it's all alumni teams. It's basically like a second helping of March Madness, but yeah. just in the summer. Like, 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 yes, you know, you got you got like uh, you know like a full-on dinner in March, but save save some room for some summertime dessert. Like, yeah. am, am, am I am I on par with it? like in a per like that would be like a perfect world, like you know, utopian thing for. TBT to have all these alumni seem just basically be, uh, where are they now? Who's who, Mar- uh, second helping a March Madness.
2: Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. But I mean, I also like uh, some of those teams who are helping to raise awareness for different causes. Like you have, uh, you know, autism awareness, breast cancer awareness, teams are representing that, those fronts. So I ALS think that's too. also needed. Yeah, ALS as well. So I think that's also needed. I think right now, where TBT is that they've, they've done a really good job because you have a little bit of everything. Uh, like you said, in a perfect utopian world, there'll be like 64 teams who usually make it to March Madness, and you get to see those alumni duke it out one more time, you know? But uh, for where they are now, they've done a wonderful job in the last handful of years of uh, and obviously not just marketing it, but signing in with ESPN2, making sure that there's a lot of uh, eyes on the tournament. Um, and then it's making it enticing for new teams like Omaha Blue Crew to try to and throw their hat in the ring. So uh, it'll be fun. I, I'm very excited about it. I don't know how often I've already said I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, the, the best part for me, like I'm, because I'm a basketball junkie, is just to see who's where, what, have, what they've been up to and, and to see them play again. Um, so that'll be the thing that I'm most looking forward to is just to not only obviously play and participate, but just like just catch up with everybody that I've either ran into in the past or I've seen at the pro level, or, you know, maybe some guys who just did not decide not to go pro. They just kind of hoop and they do TBT in the summertime only. So uh it, it'll be cool to see all of that. And, and, you know, it, it'll make for exciting television.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It's July 16th through the 20th. Um, if you could be there, Charles Koch Arena in Wichita, a city that even even though when Seton Hall got picked to go there three years ago for the tournament, I groaned, but it's a city I came to love. <laughs> True story. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's July 16th or 20th. You can go there, but obviously, as Jahens just said, you can always watch on ESPN3 or on any of the ESPN family networks if it's not just being streamed online. Jahenz, uh really great getting you on, talking some uh, TBT. Like You know, definitely – a different topic of conversation, you know, instead of, you know, talking about the glory days and also, you know, just creating hoops in general, just keeping up, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the current times, but, you know, also obviously, now that we get you and this team in TBT, when I saw your name get drawn, I'm like, okay. oh, Like (laughs) now it's a like golden Eagles. Okay. Zip them up. Okay. Now three's a party. So it's going to, it's going to be super exciting to see you uh, guys compete in Wichita. Uh, Best of luck. Um, I would love for you guys to avenge that 2018 NCAA loss to K State, and, and then yep. and get that dream matchup. Um, literally turning that clock a decade, uh, going up against potentially in round two with the aftershocks, and you know maybe even taking it a step farther. So, I, I got faith in you guys. Best of luck. Show out for the Big East, and uh, you know, not kill uh, just just do your best and kill it out there. I'll be watching intently.
2: Appreciate you, brother. Always fun to be on the podcast with you.
0: More in the igloo. Wrapping this up. Coming after this. Welcome back to the igloo. Well, I know this is a lengthy episode with a lot of segments. Uh, again, shout out to Tony Bazella and Jahens Maniga for coming on the show. Uh, Coach B for talking about um, status of his women's program and you know looking ahead to this ne- following season where you know they got a chance to make the tournament for the first time since making back to back trips in 15 and 16. And then of course Jehens Maniga, him and the Omaha Blue Crew. Taking taking uh, their trip uh, to Wichita July 16th through the 20th uh, for the Wichita Regional at TBT. So, wishing luck, best of luck to both of them. Uh, but moving on, uh, obviously, big off-court news. The Big East Big 12 Battle and the Gavit Tip-Off games have been announced. Here are the matchups. So, for the Big East Big 12 Battle, that was announced back on June 2nd. Matchups go as follows. Texas Tech at Providence, December 1st, Kansas at St. John, December 2nd, presumably at Madison Square Garden, but that remains to be seen, Iowa State at Creighton, December 4th, Xavier at Oklahoma State, December 5th, December 7th, Butler at Oklahoma, December 8th, two matchups, Marquette at Kansas State, a matchup that we literally just saw two years ago. And UConn at West Virginia, a little old school Big East rivalry between two programs that originally defected from the Big East app, um, you know, before its quote unquote implosion in 2013. West Virginia actually departed the year before uh, going to the Big 12. And then, of course, we know UConn went to the AAC before returning home. December 9th, Texas and Seton Hall at the Prudential Center. Interesting mashup. Chris Beard, now the new coach at Texas. And he brought former Creighton forward Christian Bishop with him. So that'll be an interesting matchup. And then December 12th, I think this is the big one, Villanova and Baylor and Waco, a rematch of last year's Sweet 16, that Baylor won a game which Villanova, by the way, led at halftime. And I, I think for the revenge factor, I think Villanova's going to be aching to get down there, especially with Colin Gillespie, who... As you know, suffered a season-ending injury in early March of this year. I guarantee you, because he wasn't able to play in that Baylor Sweet 16 game, he is going to be salivating at the fact to be able to play Baylor in Waco, possibly get some revenge, and I guess even the score. And then finally, TCU Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Villanova-Baylor is obviously the marquee matchup. Creighton should handle business against Iowa State. Kansas should beat St. John's. Texas-Seton Hall is an interesting one. I, I I mean, obviously on paper, you like Texas. But Seton Hall, you never know the Prudential Center. They can always put up a fight. Butler-Oklahoma is another intriguing matchup. UConn-West Virginia I like a lot as well. I mean, overall, this is a pretty solid slate. I would not be surprised if, you know, the team split like they did a year ago. Last year was like 3-3. So if it ends up 5-5, that also wouldn't surprise me. So overall, a solid slate for the Big East Big 12 battle, and then for the Gavit tip-off games making its return in 2021 after having the 2021 season off. This is a good slate. Doubleheaders, uh, November 15th through the 18th. Providence at Wisconsin and Illinois at Marquette, November 15th. November 16th, we'll have Seton Hall, Michigan in a rematch of the 1989 National Championship. And then an in-state rivalry, officially being part of the Gavit Games, Creighton at Nebraska at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So that should be fun. At least in my opinion. I mean, I feel like in-state rivalries always are like that. November 17th, Michigan State, and it's just its second Gavit tip-off games. They are heading to Hinkle House to take on Butler. Also that night, St. John's is at Indiana at Assembly Hall. And then November 18th, to close it all out, Ohio State at Xavier at the Cintas Center in an in-state rivalry game. And then, of course, to cap it all off, Rutgers at DePaul. Second time they'll be meeting in the Gavit tip-off games. And you know what? Like, this is actually, you know, that's the only matchup where this is the second time they'll be meeting in this series. Creighton, Nebraska, we know they have an annual rivalry series. But now this is officially part of the Gavit tip-off game. So, yeah, that should be fun. Indiana and St. John's, I'm pretty sure they were supposed to play each other last year in the originally scheduled Gavit tip-off games. But now they're just uh, flipping where it's going to be. Last year was supposed to be in New York, now it's going to be in the heartland in Bloomington. Illinois Marquette, I think, should be interesting. You know, th- those two teams are not that far from each other. Probably, like, you know, a little over 100 miles. Providence going to Wisconsin should be intriguing, especially given, you know, all of the news that's come out about Wisconsin and, you know, pretty damning evidence against head coach Greg Gard. Providence, I know they want to have a bounce-back year after having a rather disappointing Big East season a year ago. Butler's got a chance for a signature win against Michigan State at home. Seton Hall at Michigan, I mean, obviously for the historical context, it's a big deal, but for this year's sake, Michigan's going to have a really good squad. Should be up there as one of the top 10 teams in America, at least in my opinion. They'll be even better if Hunter Dickinson does come back, which I think he should. Even if Seen Hall loses, that's a great game to be able to really set the barometer for where you, you're at and where you want to go next season, given they missed the NCAA tournament for the first time since t- the 2015 season. We all know they were going to make it in 2020. But overall, a very good slate of games. If I were to make predictions right now, it's tough to call for a lot of these games, except for probably Seton Hall, Michigan. Rutgers-DePaul is even a bit of a toss-up. I mean, I tend to favor Rutgers if they do bring Ron Harper Jr. back. I mean, overall, though, I mean, the Gav tip-off games, it's always an even matchup, at least in my opinion. Obviously, the Big Ten sent a lot more teams to the tournament a year ago. But obviously, we saw that it floundered in the tournament with Michigan being the only team that made the second weekend. And we're going to see him here uh, in in these Gavit games. So, you know, it's something to look forward to. It always is, and I'm really excited that the Gavit tip-off games back for 2021. So, that's a wrap on this episode of the Igloo. I know it was uh, pretty much a jam-packed one, but, uh, you know, as the temperature continues to warm up, so will the content. And guess what's happening on the next episode after this 4th of July weekend. That's right. Something you've been longing for since this podcast debuted and I started bringing guests on and something I've been longing for. J.P. McCura. That's right. J.P. McCura is coming on the Igloo for an interview. It's a must- Listen, I mean, you can't say it's a must-see because, you know, you don't have the visual, but this is an episode you absolutely have to tune in for. You don't want to miss it. Given, I mean, I've obviously stated my history with JP, uh, given I had roasted him throughout my four years of college with signs, including one that featured his infamous mugshot with the caption, when your mugshot is better than your jump shot," which it angered him back then, but, you know, I... Talking to him before we did the interview, you know, he thought it was funny looking back on it, like, you know, in the end, you know, not really ashamed of it anymore. It's just something that happened. He learned from it. And, you know, that's what it's really all about, personal growth, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's personally what I'm all about. So, yeah, that's happening. It's happening. J.P. Makira on the Igloo coming up Monday. After the 4th of July weekend. I mean, 4th of July is this Sunday. I believe the official holiday is observed on the 5th. So, yeah, why not put it out on the 5th? Why not? So, now you have that date and that look ahead. I better see y'all tuned into this. Again, you don't want to miss it. Until then, this is Timmy Ice signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Enjoy the fireworks. You know, hopefully, you know, if your town or city, wherever you are, has them. I hope they do because it'll be establishing, again, a little more sense of normalcy. So, I mean, it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to. So, again, enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Um, I hope you don't <laughs> perspirate or perspire, I believe, as much as I probably will. Um, I mean, I don't know how much this heat wave is going to affect everybody or if rain will, you know, bring down, you know, the excitement of the 4th of July weekend. But, you know, whatever you're doing, enjoy it. Be safe, you know, COVID-wise, and, of course, just being safe, you know, you know, obviously, don't, you know, if you're out drinking, you know, please don't drink and drive. I, I can't say that enough. Uh, so, again, enjoy your 4th. Um, Happy birthday, America, turning a very solid 245 years old over the weekend. So, again, enjoy that. Celebrate it with all those important people in your life or whoever you might be celebrating with. But, again, be safe. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll catch you all on Monday with the interview of the century here on the Igloo.